everybody, and welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast. I'm Will. I'm Drew. And this is a podcast where we look at an album, a television show, a movie, a game, or something from our childhood, and see if it holds up today as much as we enjoyed it back then. So, uh, how have you been this week, Drew? I've been good. I've been at home, uh, relaxing by the pool all the time. I was literally at the pool four hours yesterday. And oh it, it wasn't yesterday, but I got burned the first day, and it's been kind of miserable. Um, I just have mm-hmm. to kind of relearn that lesson probably like once a year, which really sucks. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, hanging in there. It's been good to get a break from work and just enjoy some quality family time and what's open at least, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What have you been uh, consuming this week media-wise? Well, I finished right before I left um, Silicon Valley which I started nice yeah I started it when it was like season two or three and I like binged it with a trial and then I called up and Mm -hmm. finished the last half of the show which I guess it ended like a year or two ago um but I'm in the like tech industry that's like my major and so I really appreciate Mm -hmm. the satire it gives and I also Mm -hmm. love that it like isn't afraid to make fun of anybody especially even the people in the industry and also just like Mm -hmm. any kind of thing you can imagine it's just a clever comedy and it's it's a little more realistic um so yeah i really like the story and some of the actors and especially i love dinesh because he's like the voice of prismo which like just was kind of my gateway into yeah. it <laughs> but that's awesome yeah a lot of people have recommended even my dad recommended that show to me but i oh, haven't wow. uh, gotten to watch it yet what i've been watching this week has been uh hunter hunter which mm-hmm. uh joe recommended to me so been watching that i like paced myself through the first season and then i somehow i don't know if it was less episodes but i finished the second season in a day wow i did i think that i think it was like a day if it was at most two days and i was like what (laughs) when i looked at the episode it was like season three i was like what yeah are Uh, animes sometimes short i guess for seasons it depends yeah they so they have like anime seasons in japan where it's like the, the spring season and the fall season so some okay. if it's only for like that like one of those lengths it might be uh right. it might be shorter gotcha uh and then the other thing i've been watching another friend recommended community to me so i've been watching community yeah. uh it has donald glover in it uh mm-hmm. so i've been enjoying that uh a lot as well yeah i watched like two episodes of that and like a few times i've tried getting into it and like i, I mean i don't dislike it but i just haven't like stuck around enough with it but i need to get back into yeah, it. yeah 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 I went to community college at one point, mm-hmm. so it's so the the jokes pertaining to like that culture are kind of funny to me. Yeah, definitely. And then yeah. today we got a new Skrillex song, and surprisingly, Kanye and Ty Dolla Sign and FKA Twigs, and that, and then yesterday we got Kanye, and it, it's been a weird music week for sure. Or yes, double Kanye, Kanye <laughs> two days in a row. Uh, yeah, I actually um, I don't know what your thoughts are them, but I enjoyed both the tracks a lot. It's definitely more like a Skrillex produced track than a Skrillex track, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, his influence is more subtle, but I like the synergy between all the vocalists, and I think the beat is awesome. It's just a very vibey track. And then Kanye put out his own very, very, like, even for him, like, out of left field track mm-hmm. featuring Travis Scott. Uh, featuring that, double, triple Yeah, <laughs> like, a, like a little, like, there's a little bit of, you can hear Travis Scott's voice on it. Yeah. It's not right even now. like he has a whole verse. <laughs> it's not even like he has a whole verse uh, on it. But uh, apparently, his next album coming out is called God's Country, 
and uh, it basically sounds like it's going to be like a Christian version of Jesus. So uh, let's mm. see how that one turns out. It's like the opposite of Jesus in terms of like him being, you know, versus focusing on. I yeah, guess, yeah. If if Jesus is about like the ego mm-hmm. and like and like elevating yourself to a god, this is about like elevating uh, another god. You know. Yeah, I didn't care uh, for either track. Um, some of the lyrics were, I mean, I guess the lyrics are good, and then some of them are really intriguing, which is actually good and bad, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I looked at, specifically Ego Death had, like, 15 on the writing credits on Spotify, and, like, oh <laughs> you, you know, like, Skrillex has been one to add writing to so many songs on even, like, mm-hmm. I was on, like, an Elohim song, he, like, wrote the lyrics. That weird song, um, we don't, no, wait. You know what I mean? Like he's he he writes a lot of lyrics for other producers. Um, no, it was an older song. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I just like felt like it was a little bit too pop for me in terms of like the writing and the production, and I do, I do agree with the, the synergy and the like chemistry between everybody in it. So I do appreciate that with like the variety. Mm-hmm. Like it somehow connects all these random artists together. So. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I love the Lewis and Child album. As I, I made like a that one, I haven't but... gotten to listen to yet, but you reviewed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got a good taste of it. And he, they put out like five singles, which I never historically liked. But there's enough songs, and I think near the end, some of them are so unique and interesting, and like really made my ears pop, as is evident. <laughs> but yeah, I did listen to the singles, and I really liked the one with uh, Earth Gang on it. Yeah. I don't even think that was a... I might have missed it then if that was a single, but I love that bittersweet. It was a single, but it was literally, like, right, like, before. <laughs> gotcha. I love the one with um, Quinn and Chelsea. That that one is so Yeah, I like that catchy. one, too. And then um, the one with Drew Love is, like, so classic, but... Mm-hmm. It's funny how, like, our... Yeah, it's funny how, like, our favorite artists keep coming up, because, like, we're about to talk about, like, Cascade this episode, and, like, Cascade, Lewis the Child, Bass Nectar, Skrillex, like... It's so interesting how their careers kind of, they start in the same place, at least for us, and then they kind of all splinter into, like, different paths. Yeah, but they've all, like, stuck around for me. Like, they're, mm-hmm. like I'm always finding new music and finding, like, uh, new and up-and-coming artists that I'm enjoying, but then there's, like, those ones that I always, like, go to. Yeah, you know? Are you having a happy hour right now? Yeah, I, I just went to our little outdoor fridge, and I found an Angry Orchard hard cider so the, nice. the classic um home <laughs> drink it's always <laughs> yeah yeah i'm having a, a beer from odd side ales from michigan this is called mango peach dank juice which is an ipa <laughs> brewed with mangoes and peaches and and uh, dank and juice and is dank and is juicy yeah pulling <laughs> that up here it's got a nice color to it it definitely smelt like those like fruit flavors definitely come through and when you taste it it's like mostly IPA taste, but you definitely mm-hmm. get like a lot of mango on it and a little bit of peach mm-hmm. on it. So it's it's pretty good. My new favorite summer thing is to like muddle things with lemonade. Um, yeah, that's specifically awesome. like cucumber. I I don't like love cucumber, and to me it sounds kind of gross with like a drink, but it's incredible. Like just muddle a few cucumber slices in your lemonade. Also like mint, blueberry, strawberry. Mm-hmm. Like I even tried watermelon, but it it wasn't amazing. It kind of like the seeds, you know. There's like some careful stuff with that but yeah yeah so our main topic today 
The artist is Cascade, and the album is Fire and Ice from 2011. Mm. Yeah, and this one was really fun to, like, look back on and research. Just to see the stunning difference in, like, 2011 Cascade and current Cascade. Um, I actually listened to an interview he did, like, four years ago with um, Larry King, which was kind of mind-blowing that that happened in general. Yeah, I remember that interview. And I love specifically the back-to-back podcast, and he has two episodes with Cascade, and they're each, like, I think they might be two hours, like, they're some of his longest. And Cascade Mm -hmm. just goes into, like, his whole history. And you probably know most of it with, like, Chicago growing up as a teenager and taking the train to the city in the 80s and seeing Frankie Knuckles. And, like, Chicago is pretty much where house music was born, and it's also where, I guess, electronic music started in America. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's... Because I remember I had a week in my music class in college on electronic music, and we talked about the Chicago scene in Detroit and stuff, but... Yeah, yeah, Chicago and Detroit, both, like, breeding grounds for, uh, well, Chicago for house music and uh, Detroit for techno music, and both Mm -hmm. were birthplaces of electronic music in the United States, and both, like, very uh, underground uh, movements, too, and uh, really, like, uh, kick-started by minorities, you know, between between people of color and LGBTQ people. That was, like, like an expressive space for them and an expressive medium. Yeah, it was, it was really funny because um, Larry King, like, asked him the controversial question because I think this was after a few deaths. Oh, yeah, about, like, season. about like drugs and stuff. And yeah. he kind of played the, like, Mormon because Cascade is very Mormon and very practicing. Yeah. He has three kids and he's, like, way different than what most people think of the scene. And so he kind of asked him that pointed question um, about if it has influence on you and the drugs and the culture. And he was saying how, like, growing up, I love how he, like, diffused it because he was, like, yeah, when I was growing up, most of my friends, because I live in the suburbs, they would, like, you know, borrow money from their parents and buy some, like, pot or, you know, get a keg and throw a party. But I was just, like, riding the train in and going dancing. And he was saying how, like, the community then, and I, I think in most ways now, is so inclusive and open that, like, it's not like you have to do ecstasy to, like, fit in. You know, it's not like this peer yeah. pressure high school thing. Um, I yeah. mean, obviously there's, like, toxicity in every community but it was interesting how he answered it i thought it was really graceful yeah i think the quote from that one that stuck out to me when he was like this is like paraphrasing it this is not exactly what he said but he's like when you get down to the music everything else becomes ancillary and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah like if music's at the core of that like you know everybody's going for a different reason some people are going to escape some people are going to hear their favorite artists some people are going to experiment with uh different substances and stuff but like at, at like at the end like if you put music at the center like you can mm-hmm. be whatever in that environment and back to the like 2011 when this came out this was his seventh album which blew That's my crazy. mind because I, I got into him in 2012 2013 um yeah for his eighth album which is just insane i haven't listened to his older albums i guess the first song i heard was i remember with dead mouse which was 2009 which we were we were like 11 Probably. Yeah, so how old was I in 2000? I was like 13. Yeah. I was like 13 and you would have been like 12 at that time. Yeah. yeah, so I got into Cascade in 2011 actually when this album came out, but I discovered him same like you brought up, I remember. I found Cascade because I was super into Dead Mouse, mm-hmm. and I found, I was like looking, going through Dead Mouse's discography on iTunes, and I found uh, I Remember and Move For Me, 
and mm-hmm. I saw that Cascade was on the song, and I thought it was Cascada yeah. who made oh, every I time thought it he was, touched. I was thinking of the uh, the cleaning the lot the. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna. I was like thrown off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like it can be the, that word isn't uh, so many things. So uh, yeah. So it could be, but that's what like I thought it was at first, uh, especially because both those tracks have female vocals on it. So right. I was like, oh, it's it's the people made every time we touch, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, but then I uh, was like clicked on him and I was like, oh, he has all of his own albums and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I got into Cascade. So this would have been the album that we're talking about, Fire and Ice, would have been the album that was out when I got into him, and then of mm-hmm. course. Uh, a couple years after Atmosphere came out. And that was like the peak. Yeah, Is yeah. It, I don't, it's definitely not his peak, but for us, that was like, that was it when well, I got into him. But Well, in some ways, that actually kind of was his peak. So I, I was doing some research before, and I kind of wrote down like a, an abbreviated history right here. And this, I always do like research notes for whenever we do an episode, and his are definitely the longest because he has so much going on. So you've already mentioned Cascade grew up in Chicago, which was one of the birthplaces of house, and uh, that's how he got into house music, dance music, electronic music. Uh, anyway, he moved out to San Francisco, and he started DJing. At first, in 1995, it was just his own name. He was just Ryan Radden, and mm-hmm. then eventually he took on a Cascade name later because he was working for a record label in San Francisco, and he was able to bring that Chicago sound to the record label. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So his first single came out in 2001. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, he was going as Cascade. And then it just uh, it took off from there. He has lots of achievements. He was the first DJ ever to headline the Staples Center uh, in LA. So that was like a huge deal because that was around like the EDM boom. So like mm-hmm. at that point, electronic music was mostly like clubs and small venues. Mm-hmm. So he was able to take his, what tour was it? It was the Freaks of Nature tour, which was... Mm-hmm. For Fire uh, Nights, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and uh, that had some interesting openers, too. Alvin Risk was one of the openers on that wow. tour. Because uh, he, he met with Skrillex for a song on Fire Nights, so I guess that would make sense with him being in that California Bay Area with, you know, Skrillex's team and Asla forming around that. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, so that was a huge accomplishment that he was able to bring like an underground club show to an arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. he, another achievement, he has the record for the largest Coachella crowd in history. Mm-hmm. So he got to play the main stage uh, in the atmosphere era. And that, I don't know how they like assess it. I don't know if they assess it by how far back the crowd goes or if they're actually counting how many people, but as of the Coachella documentary that came out a few months ago, they still said he was the biggest crowd ever. And he wasn't even the headliner that night. He was like two from the top or one from the top. It's kind of like that jelly bean game where you have to like use math to like, you know, guess out the average like space of a human and then like look at the overshot from the drone and calculate your best guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did have drones flying over to capture uh, footage for that one, but that's just insane that he's like so popular in california that all those people came out for him i remember um tuning into that live set um yeah that was a good one 
Uh, Cascade's also been nominated for seven Grammys. He has not won a single one of them, but uh, seven times for both singles and albums, and Mm -hmm. uh, once or twice a remix, too. Mm -hmm. He has been nominated for Grammys. Has he won any, or just... No, no, no. He's he. None of them he won, but mm-hmm. uh, nominated seven times. He's never and, been on the radio either, which is kind of crazy for somebody his size. In that. Yeah, I actually have a note of that too. He's gotten two number ones on the Billboard US Club Chart with I Remember and Go Slow, but mm. none on like mm. the uh, on like the mainstream chart, like not on like the Hot mm-hmm. 100 or the Top 200. That's like a decade apart, those songs too. That's really weird. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, you have a, an old classic from him and then a, a newer one. I also uh, appreciate, w- like, um, I'm sorry, I appreciate with this show that, like, a lot of what we cover is almost, like, a decade old at least, or about. So I think that's a cool, you know, time frame to, like, look back at some of these older... Yeah, yeah. Worlds being the exception to that. Right. Um, but everything else is much older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was named America's Best DJ twice. Wow. And... Uh, he was he made the list many other times, but he was never. Well, one you know twice. what? I'll name him America's best DJ for a third time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And your your list is honestly just as legitimate as every other uh, every other top ten list. Yeah. Uh, he also is a member of the trance group Late Night Alumni. He does what? way less stuff with. Yeah. Dude, I thought that I had no idea who they were. I just always saw them featured on his stuff. Yeah, wow. they're featured on his songs because he used to be a touring part of their group. Now mm-hmm. it's more just uh, two of the other people in that group, but he used mm-hmm. to be like a regular member of that group. Oh my gosh. I always thought it was like a singer. It, it, one like, of them is a singer. Because that's most yeah. of his features. So Yeah, the features are all the, the female vocalists from Late Night Alumni. Mm, and, that's uh, mind-blowing. <laughs> Last two facts I've got from him are uh, he's collabed with giant people like Dead Mouse and Skrillex, of course. Mm-hmm. Although at the time Skrillex was just like up and coming that on uh, this right. album. That was around Scary Monsters, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he has done official remixes for dozens of people, including I have to take a breath for this one. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, Daft Punk, Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, Maroon 5, Alicia Keys, Madonna, Britney Spears, Usher, Lady Gaga, Imagine Dragons, Katy Perry, Lana Del Rey, Skrillex, and Jack Yu. And, and Justin that's Bieber. And Justin Bieber. And that's just scratching the surface. I just picked like the super like wild and notable names that stuck out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's crazy. He's just done so much through uh, his whole time. You said he has so many albums out, uh, even a Christmas album. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that album. I think my favorite part, personally, and I don't love him in 2020. I think his recent releases have had have, have been too numerous, and it kind of takes away from the magic when he puts out, you know, EP after EP, and especially single after single. Like, he just kind of keeps pumping out random songs with so many different people yeah yeah Um, especially when a lot of his older albums uh you know atmosphere and back mm -hmm. are very well put together yeah they're so intentional they have so many but the thing i love is that everybody he works with i would say aside from the remixes um Mm -hmm. which he still does better than a lot of his contemporaries if you look at his contemporaries such as like tiesto diplo david guetta calvin harris anybody else that like is more mainstream and like a household name or on the you know pop crossover kind of DJs, um, I feel like he's a little more consistent and 
like he stays true to his own music integrity and he's more about the songwriting uh he even sings and the production yeah oh my gosh like, he does and i also love that he like works with his friends like yeah like late night alumni skylar gray um mm-hmm. Haley, like all these artists keep popping up on his different songs it's not like he's working with pop stars except for the megan trainer song is like one exception that i forget about yeah but for the most part he works with people that he like has a connection with and are unique so exactly yeah for sure he's not just reaching up although he does have several very high profile collabs he's not mm-hmm. always just reaching for like the next big collab he has a nice spread of everybody mm-hmm. and brought up a lot of smaller people like galantis really like got on the map yeah. because of him project 46 as well yeah yeah for sure they were just on monster cat at the time right yeah pretty much i remember finding them before i think before atmosphere and then he just had a song with project 46 this year that sounded like a song out of like 2014 did i miss that i should check that out it legitimately sounds like big room before like martin garrix like that early big room it was weird but that's wild uh we should talk about the album, but I do also want to throw out that we've seen him together and separate several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first the first time we saw him was at Free Fest in 2013. So Atmosphere had just come out. He was super popular at the time, although he was playing in the middle of the day. Yeah, he, he okay, he's one of the like craziest DJs as far as his scheduling. Like, he'll play in the sunrise, or in the the sun yeah into the sunrise like he literally yeah play for hours long he'll play all over the world and he'll play at the weirdest times of night or day like this man is crazy like his his um peak message of his album after like automatic in 2015 was like we don't stop Mm -hmm. i'm automatic like his constant you know (laughs) life is crazy but yeah yeah and he's truly like a dj's dj like he's in it for Mm -hmm. the crap not only is he a very good producer but he's like in it for the craft of djing mm-hmm. he has so many different types of sets and he knows how to play to you know he can he can appease like a festival crowd but he can also play like just to a club of only diehard fans mm-hmm. uh yeah we saw uh we saw him at uh free fest we saw him at moonrise festival he was supposed to play moonrise twice second time didn't happen uh and then the first time was unfortunately kind of forgettable. But the first one at Freefest was honestly in my top five favorite sets. For oh, sets. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was so... Like, Euphoric sounds cheesy, but, like, it truly... Something about the music really captured me spiritually. Like, again, oh, cheesy, I mean, but... No, like, the whole the whole experience. So that was, that was like, technically a part of the, the Atmosphere tour. Mm-hmm. Uh... But as we were waiting for it to, to him to come on, the weather was kind of in contention that day. And it started raining. And then, like, he comes on the stage, and the opening song is raining. And it was just mm. like, what is going on here? Just perfect. And then, like, uh, I don't think I had known... I guess I knew, like, Eyes and Turn It Down, and I knew a lot of his songs. But mm-hmm. something about seeing them live and seeing the lyrics and his production and just, like, hearing them in that huge crowd... It really made the songs like stick with me forever, and it made them like really stand out. Hearing them there first, oh, yeah, sometimes. yeah. And then I also got to see him on one of his redo tours. So that was in a club. Of, it was like a two hundred cap club. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. long set. He was supposed to play for like almost three hours, but he was late. Oh so it was like, God. it was like it was a two and a half hour set. 
Uh, and it was just like wild because a lot of the bigger songs that we hear on Fire and Ice and on Mm -hmm. Atmosphere and on Automatic, he made like stripped down edits of them to play because in Redo, he's taking it more back to a Deep House style. And uh, he made like stripped back Mm -hmm. versions of a lot of the Automatic and Atmosphere songs and played a lot of the Ice mixes from this album. And it was just like so good. And then yeah, you got to yeah. see him in a very interesting setting. Yeah, mine was like the opposite of that. It was in, it just opened in Minneapolis. I was there for a summer and it was um, the Armory. It was probably one of the biggest clubs in America. It like opened in 2017. And yeah. like it was for the X Games. So I, I bought a day pass and I was able to go see all the events and the, the sports in the big arena for the That's Steelers. That's wild. Did I say Steelers? Holy crap. The yeah, Vi- not Steelers. The, Vi- the Vikings. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm not really into football or into extreme sports, but Cascade was so perfect. It was probably only like an hour, but it was probably mm-hmm. the best hour. And actually, it's probably longer. It's probably like an hour and a half. There were no openers, mm-hmm. which I loved, actually. Actually, there was one. That's but, a really cool concept, honestly. Yeah. Like, everybody just kind of walked over um, after all the sports. And, like, he freaking played Language by Porter Robinson mixed with one of his acapellas. And this was in 2018. And mm-hmm. he played I Remember, like, just straight up. He played Eyes, straight up. He played, like, everything I could have ever, 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 ever hoped for. It was the most perfect set. Um, like, it was just a throwback set, which, to me, like, makes me say, yeah, Fire Nice holds up, because he's still rinsing a lot of those songs, so. Yeah, for sure. And we can start uh, talking about the, those tracks as we uh, talk about this album. This has a lot of songs, so I don't know how in-depth we can go with uh, each song, but do you know anything about, like, the creation of this album at all? Well, yeah, he was saying that this is his seventh album, um, and he was saying, like, every album he, like, has a new studio to work on it at. Whoa. So this this one was in um, Santa Monica, and it, you could walk to the beach, and he kind of showed every collaborator and how they met, and a lot of them came to the studio and sang and worked with him, and they, like, wrote, I think they wrote Turn It Down with, um, is it Rebecca and Fiona? Um, in, yeah, like, yeah. a day. And it, it's so cool, like, you mentioned the fire and ice aspect, like, and I guessed this, but he did clarify. He said that, like, the album has 10 songs and then the other 10 songs, and there's, like, the ice mix and then the fire mix. And he did say fire mix, which is not on the album, technically. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's a really, really, really cool concept, especially with what you were saying. Like, he really, really DJs to each crowd. Like, he had the Sun Soaked tour where it was, like, yeah. each concerts. He has his Redux tours. He has his festival sets. And they all are drastically different. And he kind of, like... Mm-hmm. Started that with Fire Nice, which was his first production tour where he used his own. He has, like, six vans for this, or, like, three Dang. trucks and three... He had a huge, you know, like, bus tour. And um, mm-hmm. it's also cool, just, like, the Fire Ice dynamic of his, like, two sounds, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I used to, in the past, I called the the ice mix, like, the deep, like, the deep side of it. Mm-hmm. But, like... It really, re-listening to it uh, to prepare for the podcast, it kind of goes beyond just being like a like a deep side of it. It's it's almost like the alternative side of it. Like he's got mm-hmm. guitars on some of the ice mixes. He's mm-hmm. got crazy drops on some of these. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, like it's a uh, the the two sides is wild. The fire side definitely lends towards like his typical sound. And, like, the progressive sound that was becoming popular around, like, 2011, 2012, like, as Big Mm -hmm. Room was taking off. 
uh but then the you know on the ice mix anything goes man yeah it's it's really fascinating like how did he play some of the ice mixes when you saw him like two years ago or were, were yeah you, yeah like... he d- yeah he definitely played uh he definitely played uh, LLOV or L Love. I'm mm. not sure how you're supposed to say that. Yeah. Uh, and he played Waste Love, and uh, yeah, he definitely played some of those. That's insane. Uh, so this was actually kind of difficult for me. Like, I know the first half of the album so perfectly, but mm-hmm. then like, there's a few songs that I honestly did not know that well. Like, I've probably only heard a couple of times because it is kind of an intimidating album that it's like an hour and a half. Yeah, and so. It, long. Uh, it makes it better that it's like 10 minutes or 10 songs and another 10 songs. Um, mm-hmm. But when I was like into him, um, this period of my life, I was more listening to music when I would DJ and I didn't necessarily want to DJ with every single ice mix and every single song off this. So I kind of like knew yeah. some of them really well. And then some of them were like almost for the first time listening for this episode. Well, I realize I'm some I'm similar to that way for some of the songs because re-listening to it, and we'll, we'll delve into this a little more as we talk about each song, but I realized uh, some of them, like, I did not love as much. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, I had almost, like, forgotten how they sounded because I didn't love them as much. So uh, we can bring that up. All right, so there's two ways we could tackle this. We could go through all the songs on fire and then all the songs on ice, or we could do each song and talk about its fire and ice at the same time. So which do you think is uh, the better way to do it? Um, I actually thought about listening to it with the second way where you like play them back to back and I had to for one of them. I think that's the better way to talk about it for sure since they do share. Yeah, let's do that. I like that idea. All right, so top of the album is Eyes, classic Mm. Cascade song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he probably plays this like every single show i imagine mm-hmm. it always has some really striking visuals too i mean it's called eyes mm-hmm. so there's like a pretty obvious choice of what you want your visuals to be here but it's always like uh really striking to me yeah and i think this is like the there's a theme of eyes in the album and i don't know if i sensed a theme of heartbreak and new love and like definitely is sadness but like hopefulness and it Almost every song is romantic, for sure, and a lot of them have love in the title. Um, yeah. And, like, I think this starts the trend of, like, eyes, and I would say, I always looked at it in a spiritual sense of, like, looking at them not for their beauty, but for, like, their soul through looking in their eyes. Because your brain, you probably know this, but your brain, like, 90% of what you process is from your sight, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a, a lot of our senses is just, uh, is just that. And, uh... And yeah, and we know that Cascade is a spiritual person as well, so that kind of makes sense too. And uh, the kind of to what you said about like uh, the like heartache theme, I think the end of the album really like exemplifies that with how long mm-hmm. into Room for Happiness. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like the longing, and then like making making room for like having to make room for like other happiness after uh, losing something. Yeah, and something else I wanted to mention that why I like Cascade more than like any other house music, because honestly. The only house artists I listen to are like Cascade. I used to listen to Galantis. I can't say I would ever listen to them, like the newer stuff. <laughs> and then Matt Zo, if you want to, like he's trans house, from, like whatever. I wouldn't really count Matt Zo. He's made some house music, yeah. For sure. And I used to, like Zed again, I can't say. So really it's just Dead Mouse and Cascade it, in current mm-hmm. days. <laughs> but I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I listen to a little bit, a little bit more than that. But like the two that you mentioned that you still listen to are like my favorites. Yeah, 
But the reason I like Cascade over anything else, and I don't love the genre, but I think Cascade's an exception because he really does tell stories. His lyrics are so meaningful. His melodies and his songwriting abilities are just so on point. And it really just makes everything else stand out and like last a lot longer in your heart. Not just like, you know, at the concert or like for a party, but it like goes beyond that. That's so, so actually, and this is, this is just delaying talking about the album further, but I think it's important <laughs> to say when I was uh, on the redo tour and I like, I like went by myself to the redo tour because I didn't know anybody that was uh, while I was in college and I didn't know anybody else who uh, liked Cascade there, or at least was as diehard as I was and was willing to drive as far as I was <laughs> and stay up is like, I got back from that tour at 530 in the morning <laughs> because uh, I had to drive to a whole other city and stuff. But um, uh, I, like, so I was by myself, and I just met this, like, random dude who I was, like, vibing with all night. And during the opener that was right before Cascade, he was like, you know, this guy is probably just as good as Cascade, but I, w- I would argue against that. But the the sentiment, he's like, he's probably just as good as Cascade, but he's like, but I know Cascade songs, like, when I hear those lyrics. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm, and I mean, he shakes up, like, he has so many edits, so many mashups, like, so many, he transitions into different drops, like, so many different things, but the vocals are, like, present always. Yeah, and I was, something about the World's album that I lamented was that um, a lot of them were, like, Porter singing and a lot of them were different artists, but I, I don't really have that complaint with Cascade here because, like, like I said, they're all his friends. He has that signature, like, angelic female like very high pitched yeah the female vocals are very prominent yeah and like the theming is consistent i still think it tells a story even though it's like all these different artists and i i don't know i think it really works for most of his work yeah yeah so uh we've got eyes to open up classic i also really like the alvin risk remix of eyes it's a very different mood but that remix a, is so i keep i always forget about that and then when i like remember it i'm like oh my gosh it's so heavy yeah yeah uh you got the fire mix which is of course like a like a classic cascade style of that time and then you get the ice mix which is almost like a little bit instrumental you know Mm -hmm. it's like not quite it doesn't like really have a house beat but like you could kind of call it a deep house song i love the drums and the speed it like it almost like halves the speed like it's like 128 but like half speed with the like slow drums i love it and then i really am like intrigued by the like slight glitch halfway through and then it like picks up like you're in a club it's almost like you're outside the club about to come in and then it goes yeah. back to this like somber it's really weird and i like the choice it's like the transitions there are just crazy mm-hmm. and then after that you have uh you have turn it down which this is one of my favorites off the album both both versions are like some of my favorites yeah yeah the lyrics to this one too are kind of intriguing and like it's almost like a poem and I always thought, like, there's no time to let the blood dry. I always got really confused by that line. And I was as I was, like, reading the lyrics, I still just, like, feel stupid not being able to, like, understand it. But I, I really like it, though. Sorry, you cut out for a second. I didn't hear. What did you say? Oh, just, like, the, the lyrics, like, really intrigued me with... Uh, especially yeah. like there's no time to let the blood dry i just like never mm-hmm. understood that line and as i was like reading it for this um this time over i just felt kind of stupid not being able to like understand the song and i'm, I'm hoping i'm like i, I want to know but yeah yeah i mean it's it's 
like kind of like to me it's kind of like it's like turning down the noise and the strife and the the like conflict in a relationship you know Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah yeah and like like there's no like there's no time to let the blood dry like there's all there's like allusions to even like violence there you know yeah uh or maybe not even like physical violence but just like an allegory for like fresh wounds and stuff you know yeah well that not yeah i I knew i would feel stupid but that makes a lot of sense no no yeah like hey like even like if you got something different out of it we can like like take it whatever way that's just kind of like what i get off of it this song yeah no like i love that i just feel so ridiculous because when i was like 13 listening to this um, I remember he matched it up with Animals by Martin Garrix, and that song had like yeah. just just come out, and it was like the yeah. highlight before which it before it crazy. was stale. <laughs> I always thought like it was about being at a concert or a club, and the music being so loud that it makes your ears mm-hmm. bleed, and I just feel so stupid about that. But well, like well, like when you think about it, like mixed with Animals, like Animals, like uh, <laughs> although although it slaps, like it doesn't really have any deeper like meaning. So paired with that, it kind of does have that like it takes on like yeah. that new meaning kind of. And yeah. like turn it down. I thought it was almost like a you know like a fourth wall kind of song, but it, it, it it's smart that it has that metaphor and it could work in different ways. I don't know. I think it was him for this song. Like, he titled... Because he put out that remix on SoundCloud. I think he called it the, like, festival fodder mix. And, like, that, like, kind of makes sense. Because it's like, it's like, yo, if I go to a festival, I guess I'm going to have to play Animals. So I'm going to mix one of my own songs, like, with it, you know? Yeah, that's great. Uh, Yeah, so there's that one. Uh, The ice mix of this one is, like, kind of astonishing when you hear it. Yeah, I used to, like, I remember the first time I stumbled across this, I was, like, I was blown away. I was just, like, in awe. But then listening to it now, I still get down with it, but, like, I think this is one of those that should kind of remain in the past, but not in, like, yeah. a, not to hate too hard on it, but it's just really, you know. Yeah, we shouldn't try and, like, uh, imitate it again or bring it, like, bring it back. No. Yeah. Uh, then after that, we have Lessons in Love, which is uh, featuring Neon Trees. That's an interesting collab. Yeah, and he actually was friends with the bassist from that band, and that's how they got connected. Which again, it's like so cool that it's not just like a pop crossover, but it's like he has that connection to them. And I wonder. I think some of the members of Neon Trees are Mormon, so I wonder if they somehow met through like mission or a church event or something like that. That would be really interesting. Or BYU. That's where he went to school in Utah. So. Oh, maybe that was the maybe that's where they met. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, lesson this one, this one is one of the ones that I like a little bit less. I think I prefer the ice mm-hmm. mix on this one. The ice mix doesn't even like resemble it um, too much. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, but the the original, I I it's like one of those songs that makes you happy because it reminds you of like being in you know high school middle school and like listening to it i i always mm-hmm. liked it back then because it was like a song that was like had that pop band on it or rock band whatever and it was like one of those songs that um you could kind of introduce somebody into the more niche electronic stuff um but i i really don't think it holds up too much it just sounds like you know that you know like that sound from that era like it doesn't quite hit it still i don't think but 
Yeah, yeah. I like I believe like his relationship with Neon Trees is like authentic. Like I don't think it was like meant for this purpose, but it still kinds up winding up being like the crossover to just have a crossover, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh but after that we have another one where the fire mix and the ice mix sound very different, and that is Lick It. Mm. Yeah, this is probably wait, this is actually probably how I got into the Cascade. Yeah, I was seeing, like, Skrillex feet on this one. It, it was either this one or I remember. It was, like, probably at the same time, honestly. But Skrillex yeah. and Deadmau5 were basically my gateway into, like, everything else, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it makes sense. I mean, like, same for me, you know, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one is, like, like, if you listen to each of their solo work, you don't really see... Well, I guess if you listen to a lot of, like, the Scary Monster songs, like, uh... Uh, like with you friends and all mm-hmm. I ask of you, those might make a little bit more sense for a collab. But like, if you listen to first of the year, you don't really see how that's gonna mix with move for me. <laughs> I mean, like weekends also, and like his older weekends work. too. Yeah. But... Well, even weekends, I wouldn't say is exactly like uh, it, a little bit closer. But I don't even know if I w- could like mash up like weekends with any cascades. Oh though. no, for sure. But like Skrillex was still in that electro scene that like yeah. I feel yeah. Like- if we had seen Cascade in 2011, he probably played a lot of Electro with some of his other acapellas and songs. Yeah, the music video for this one used to freak me out because, like, the girl's mm-hmm. ears are bleeding, and I'm like, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah, this... Well, how do you interpret the, like, name of this song? Because, like, there's no lyrics. I mean, I guess there are. It's like, what, Lick the Drop? Is that what it says? Or Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the intent behind this one is or if there's meant <laughs> to be intent. Maybe Skrillex and Cascade just wanted to make, like, a fun song together. I do say it's not, like, typical for any genre. I would definitely say it's, like, it's like an electro song, but I wouldn't say there's, like, many other songs that sound like the fire mix. No, for sure. And, like, it reminds me of, like, you know, Lightspeed by Kill the Noise and Batsick around that time? Yeah. And, like, Steve Aoki and Kill the Noise, I think, have a song together that's kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm forgetting to think of. But, like, there was electro that was, like... Kill the Noise actually used to do a lot of electro like this. It was almost like clubby, more clubby, yeah. and like more dancey, I guess. And I think this song, it probably holds up almost better than any of them in terms of like DJing. Like you could kind of throw this into like anything, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. it's pretty bouncy. It's a lot of fun. I like the fire mix on this one a lot. Mm-hmm. The ice mix is, is like pretty good. It's also like very different. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure how I felt about this one re-listening to the ice mix. Yeah, I had trouble picking out any similarities, and then I listened to them back yeah. to back, and I was able to find the like, the do like the like the start of the ice mix. That same mm. instrument is twice as fast in the fire mix, but like they kind of build a song out of that small little instrument from the fire one. Dang, that's crazy how uh, how they carry. That's the element that they like share between them. Mm-hmm. And somewhat the drums, like I I was trying to figure out a Skrillex helped him with this mix and i'm sure he did because it with how the melody builds it kind of reminds me of like with you friends in the Mm -hmm. you know in the melody but yeah yeah and following look at we have l love or l-l-o-v-e again i'm not really sure how you uh say this one yeah yeah i like i I know the lyrics are like l-l-o-v-e so i think it is i don't i don't know how you could say it though but that is correct yeah it said each letter in the song but I don't know if the title is supposed to just, like, say it. Or maybe it's just, maybe, like, in the title you would just say, like, love. I'm not a... Yeah, I don't I don't really understand even the lyrics. Like, I love the chorus lyrics. The, like, 
just sing softly. softly. And it's just like over and over. It's beautiful. Like I just adore that part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you could kind of say that this this one, it's in the middle of the album. And I think you could kind of say it's like the middle of the relationship, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is one that I like the ice mix better. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's this point where there's like a low pass filter on it and just like the sub light comes through on it, which is weird. You don't notice the sub that much in, in, uh, in deep house, like that much. And just like, there's this point where like the filter goes on, you just hear like the boom, boom, boom. And it's like such a striking moment to me. Yeah. This one, the ice one, I really don't like just because of the claps. You don't. I mean, it's kind of fun. Oh yeah. The, cl- the claps are on the whole thing. Yeah. But but I do like when the claps die out, and I like the, like, dynamic chorus, how it kind of makes it all pretty, and I love the violin at the end, and, like, how that mm-hmm. slowly comes in. Actually, uh, almost every song is so dynamic. Like, most house music is so repetitive. Like, if you look at... I love Zed around this time period, but if you look at, like, Zed's music and other electro and other house, it would have a really, really boring mm-hmm. intro. Then you would finally get to the meat and potatoes, and then the long outro... But with all of Cascade's mm-hmm. music, it's just a good song. It starts with the melody. There's nothing that's in there for the DJ live setting. It's like, it's beautiful. And it just changes and grows. And like all the instruments come in at different parts. And like the song is just so much better structured, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's You want, you want to listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after this one is Let Me Go. And this is where the this is where some of the songs like start to like I had like forgotten these a lot. Uh, yeah. Because these ones were a little bit less impactful for me, but for uh, sure. we have "Let Me Go." Yeah, this one I like really love again how dynamic it is. Um, what did I write here? I feel like it doesn't like fit with the lyrics that well with the fire mix, um, but I I kind of love the fire mix though like in terms of i don't know it just holds up and it kind of sounds comforting i guess like the it's it's a little more reserved and more on the deep house end of things Um, Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i did like the ice mix a good bit going back Mm -hmm. to it yeah this is one of the only ice mixes i would like dj or like have in my collection i love this ice. like i forgot this song and i'm glad i like rediscovered it because it's almost like an indie like alternative song it's gorgeous yeah it's pretty like, wild and this this is what i mean by like anything goes on the ice mix like mm-hmm. it's like what is this? yeah like if you but listen to the cool. turn it down drop on the ice mix and then this you would literally think it's like a different artist yeah yeah so after this one we have waste love mm. the bass on the fire mix is like absolutely insane like i just love that so much the yeah yeah this is one the the fire mix is pretty good this is another one that i think i enjoy the ice mix a little bit more it's a little mm-hmm. it's a it's a bit deeper i remember him playing it on the redo tour that's cool uh yeah so that was that was a lot of fun but this is one that i wish that i had like uh remembered more Me like too. i wish it i wish uh so it was nice to go back to it afterwards yeah i definitely love how the ice mix like it's it's very dynamic and like I just, I wish that bass, like the bass guitar was in there because I just yeah. love that sound so much. Yeah. But hey, that's why there's two sides. We can like, it, like get something out of both of them. I just wish I could like take the stem of the bass guitar and add it to the ice mix because otherwise it would be like 
way better but that would be a really awesome edit Mm -hmm. uh if you there there are some like vsts that like Mm -hmm. you can kind of do you can kind of like isolate instruments wait i think the intro just has that bass actually so i could do that well there if you can sample that and throw it on the other one i think you should look into that uh after waste love is ice which growing up it always confused me like i mean it's just like it's just like a choice of like what to name it but Mm-hmm. It frustrated me growing up that there could be an ice ice mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I was just like like little like like 14 15 year old me was just like so like pissed about that. <laughs> yeah, this song I don't like. Um I mean, I I used to like it and I think if you listen to it you're like, "Oh my gosh, like this is like that old school early EDM, but like, it's it very just, in, it's very indicative of the time for mm-hmm. sure. And like so I Cascade, still... yeah, he did that like video about the making of, and Dada Life like like video called in, and they were just like it seemed like they're the kind of people that are just like always drunk. I mean, I guess they're from like I forget where they're from, but they're just like the Ain't most they're from Sweden. I think so, but they're just like the most party party DJs. Like they go hard with their from whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they actually had a tragic story later where one of them uh, caught cancer. But uh, uh, so that's like the that's like the the other side of them. But yeah, definitely in Data Life's. I don't know if you've ever listened to much more Data Life music, but on their album, uh, the Rules of Data, the cover is just like some bananas and a giant champagne bottle. Yeah, like they had a champagne in the video chat, and I think they always had like banana float rafts. Like their yeah, those are like their like their uh, that's their branding. But I do love the lyrics in this one. I don't love the lyrics, but I like the, I appreciate the lyrics, and I like how they talk about like eyes in it, which got me thinking about um, the eyes connection and how it's like closer to the end of the album, and how they're talking about like the deceitfulness, like wanting money and like all these things, but then it not being what it appears, and like. It, it almost like it's like the innocence leading from the boy like he's becoming ice and his his eyes are like see-through and i thought mm-hmm. it was like kind of cool for you wouldn't expect it from a song that sounds like that yeah i really like the fire mix in terms of like kind of remembering what like edm used to be like yeah <laughs> uh in terms of like a throwback but the ice mix of ice uh lets you like focus on the lyrics a little bit more yeah the ice one i thought was just like I don't, I don't know what it's reminding me of, but I definitely don't like it. Like, it sounds... I guess it makes sense that... Because it sounds childish to me, but it kind of fits with the lyrics, I guess. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. And then, uh, coming into the last two songs, we have How Long After That. Yeah, this one and the Fire one, I really don't care for the drop. I just feel like it sounds like an outro. Like, it doesn't really uh, build too much, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one that I prefer the the ice one on as well. So this was with late yeah. night alumni, as I said before, it was like the group that he's a part of. Oh, it does sound more trancey. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I said it sounds like an outro because like trance music is not like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely placed right on the album, like towards the end. Yeah, and I love in the ice mix the horns that come in at the end. I thought that sounded yeah. Like really cool. Uh, yeah. And then following that, the closer is this is another kind of cascade classic. Maybe not mm-hmm. so much as like uh, as like eyes or move for me, but th- I feel like this is another one that people uh, remember a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one like I don't know 
Because I definitely didn't listen to all ten songs, but I knew this one so well, and it like brought back a lot of happy memories. Oh yeah, so one of my uh, one of my most prominent memories of this song is if you go look on YouTube, Cascade has uploaded a splice of the Atmosphere tour where he takes the audio from the LA show but has clips from every single show he did on it. And Skylar Gray comes out and sings this song and it just, uh, those live vocals hit me really hard. It's so awesome. Yeah, this song I love and especially the ice mix. I don't know if I've heard it like back in the day, but I love the like whole orchestration, the no drums, like it was just so pretty. Yeah, for sure. It's a good, uh, on either side, on the fire side and the ice side, it's like a good closer. And like I said, I kind of take the meaning yeah. of uh, having to make more room for happiness after you lose something or someone. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah, be, fooled. don't be fooled by your yeah. emptiness. There's always so much more room for happiness. Yeah, and I like try, I've like learned that value of like, whenever you like fail or something goes wrong in your life, look at it as like a way to learn from it. And I really connect with a lot of the lyrics because of that yeah for sure wow i really like that way of like comparing each song both mixes uh back to back yeah i wish i kind of wish it were shorter but i think it's awesome that he did it for this song i wish he did that for more of his songs because most of the time he doesn't really release i think he does this like you said for like his redux short shows yeah he'll have other edits but you can't like they're not on a downloadable format but I honestly kind of prefer when there's, like, special stuff for live. Yeah. I, don't, I know it's like, why would I not want more music? But I just think it makes it more special. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes artists will have, like, a normal version and a VIP version, which is usually a crazy, like, a crazier version. But he, he'll, he like, have, like, an album version, a festival version, and a club, like, a, mm-hmm. a deeper club version, which is just, like, goes all the way. Yeah. So how would you say it holds up overall? So this is the, so every album and game we've done before, I've said like holds up great. This is the first one that I'm going to be a little more critical of. So mm-hmm. I would say in terms of, of the time it holds up, but I would say it's not quite as good today as it was back then. I think certain songs mm-hmm. like eyes and room for happiness, 100% do, but some of the other cuts on the album uh, they sound more stuck in the like 2011, 2012 era. So I would say it holds yeah. up decently well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's evident by the fact that when I saw him in 2018, he literally just played Eyes straight up. And he played like I Remember and like Turn It Down without changing them. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of these songs, he'll either add like a deeper version or he'll mix it with like a more current song. Yeah. Um, not to, Not to say that like, just because the artist like changes it or not disowns it, but like, you know, doesn't play it, that it's like doesn't hold up. But I think with, with him, he's very intelligent and like can, you know, it's pretty obvious that like Lessons in Love would just sound kind of off to like a big Coachella stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, but it uh, definitely doesn't suck. I think I still think it's uh, really good. Just no, uh, yeah. Sounds, yeah. sounds a little bit dated. And I think if you're like, if somebody somehow hasn't heard um, house music, I think this is like a good history lesson kind of album. Like it's this is like not his like first big album, but it's way more commercial, but not in like a bad way. Like it's very very musical. I think it holds up better. Like I was saying, where the songs aren't just made for live. It's like it's just good music. Yeah, for sure. Well, I really loved uh, going through this whole album with you, and I loved like uh, re-listening yeah. to it and thinking about all of our memories of Cascade together. Mm. 
Uh, do you have any questions to yes, close out the episode from our listeners? Yeah, um, I got a question from Matt. He was actually over yesterday because he we were, we like grew up in a similar area, so yeah. that was nice to reconnect after all the shutdowns and all the virtual stuff. But he was wondering like what our favorite festival was of all time. Ooh, favorite festival. Ooh. Now, typically I go to a since I've gotten into like since I've really gotten into music, uh, I've gone to a festival almost every year. But not like a wide mm-hmm. like spread of different festivals because I've been pretty locked to the East Coast. Um, yeah, same. Hmm. Honestly, I think nothing will replace Free Fest 2012. Uh, I know part of that was like the wonder that I experienced. I'd only been to one concert before going to Free Fest in 2012, but I think the spread of different artists and then like the own like experience and vibes that we brought to that. Uh, you know yeah that's where we discovered tree pants i remember running into like the vlogger and he was like asking for directions and we're like we're gonna go see skrillex <laughs> and like yeah. yeah i think free fest 2012 and is... the skrill mouse the skrillex mouse head oh somebody for mm. for people to get a visual somebody made a dead mouse head but they put skrillex hair on it and it was just like in glasses oh mm. Yeah, they were just... And we found out Skrillex's gene size. We learned that, his that gene size. Sense. Not everybody knows that. We're, pr- like, pretty super fans. Oh, man. Yeah. What about you? That has to be my answer. <laughs> okay. um, I've loved almost every festival, but, like, that one was so great. It was, like, I always think about walking in to, like, where everybody was lined up. And this was in, I think, October or September. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but... September, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, the most crisp fall, like, no clouds, all blue, the prettiest weather. Oh, yeah, it and wasn't too I, hot. It got a uh, little bit cold at night. I remember Skrillex started his set with a jacket on, but then took it off when things got intense. Yeah. But, like, I I often remember that moment, like, right before it, as, like, one of my happiest moments of life. Yeah. And I used, I used to look on it and get kind of sad, because I was like, oh, man, I'll never feel that way again. Yeah. But then I've gotten to the point where I'm mature and I'm like, things change yeah. and it's more your perspective. And I didn't let that like hang me up, but I love all those memories yeah. as well. I also think it was funny. I remember you didn't have glasses at the time. And I remember uh, <laughs> so at some point later you describing like not being like under, like able to like see the stage fully. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I like had no idea what the artists were doing like Alvin Risk and Zed and Porter yeah I was like mystified I was like what this is like <laughs> magic they're just making these sounds happen and I had no idea they were just plugging in a USB stick or a laptop yeah and now you're a DJ yourself and you know how all that yeah works. that's what got me into DJing was just going to that concert and I remember I did buy like a little refractor light glasses yeah oh my gosh yeah Dude. It's hilarious. Yeah, I think uh, I've definitely had plenty of other good experiences. Like camping at Lost Lands was amazing, and uh, mm-hmm. but I think the the first festival we went to was definitely like my my yeah. my best experience for sure. And there was no burnout, and maybe it was just that I was younger, but I like wasn't burnt out by the end of it. Yeah, I mean we've been to more long festivals since then, but oh that one was so good, and it was for charity. I wish it still happened. Oh, yeah. So they actually threw the, like, several free fests that they did. I think there were, like, five, four or five or something. And we went to two of them. And they raised over $100,000 for homeless boys in D.C. Mm. Yeah. 
cool. Which is pretty crazy that like it was already so cheap. Like for some people it was free mm-hmm. and then I paid I had to pay both years and it was only fifty bucks. Like mm-hmm. uh you can't get that quality for that little anymore. <laughs> no. Alright, my question, your question is from my friend Will. And this is a very this is a very deep question, okay? okay. He says, Which harsh truths do you prefer to ignore? Oh that's sobering yeah like like which Mm. which which difficult things do we like to not think about so like that's like kind of tough and i can probably think of a lot but i think for me it's that like i'm a hypocrite i think is the thing like i judge people for Mm -hmm. like going against the morals and beliefs that they preach all the time like i like call people out on that i like hold my own grudges against Mm. people for that but i have to realize like I've done that before too. Like I'm guilty of that. Like, and that I forget a lot. And I think sometimes intentionally forget that like I've been a hypocrite too before. (laughs) Yeah. I think so our frontal lobe is developing until for men until they're like 25 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like this is like, I've had compassion before, but I recently heard that like compassion can only be in your heart when you like see something. So like a lot of the time in America, I feel like we're we're in our comfy suburb, we're in our comfy house, we turn on our TV. We don't really have to confront, you know, children starving or homeless boys in DC or our neighbors that um, are stressed about paying their next bills mm-hmm. or people that are living in a abuse, abusive home or people stuck in trafficking. And I've always had a heart for, I've, I've not always, but, like, I feel like I've really grown exponentially recently with, like, that compassion for countries that are hurting. Especially, I think, trafficking is one of the things I'm, like, most yeah. saddened by. And that um, it's still so that, present and prominent. Yeah. Um, also, just, like, poverty as of late with all the, all the news and all the current stuff that's been going on. How much I've been learning. I love learning it, and it helps me to grow in my empathy, but it... It's almost like the Matrix, where it's like you can gain all this knowledge, but then it like you can't ignore it, and it makes you so sad. So yeah, I guess it's like I don't ignore it as much as I used to, but I'm sad that like most people ignore it, and I don't know. It's like there, nobody has an answer, but yeah. it sucks, and I wanna I wanna do more. So that's just been a you know fun tugging on my heart. Yeah, definitely. Wow, heavy stuff to close it off, but. Yeah. really good episode had a lot of fun with it uh yeah do we have any closing words tell people to follow us yeah uh share the podcast with your friends if you like it if you know any cascade fans or you know electronic music fans uh it's on everything now i think right yes because we we made it to apple and google finally so now we're on we're on YouTube, of course, if you want to watch the video. And we're on all major podcasting platforms now. There's some smaller ones we're still working on uh, getting on. But we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and then two other smaller ones. Yeah. So we're getting out there. Yeah. Also, I had a great stay at uh, my sister's cafe. I'm in our like way, way old playroom when we were kids. And <laughs> there's some there's some crazy nostalgia for you. Oh yeah, it holds up. Yeah, <laughs> I even have memories of like coming over to visit you and uh, seeing that room. Oh, so many late nights spent here. <laughs> Hopefully, we can hang out soon too with uh, everything opening up a little more. And 
Yeah, I should summer. see you within a few weeks. And I hope to do maybe some live episodes. I don't know. There's a lot in the works, but um, thank you for listening. And I had so much fun talking about it as well. Yeah, I'm Will. I'm sure. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.